0: Hey, think about the prison that people are in because they're so angry at somebody else. You know, I was in a physical prison, but think about the mental or emotional prison that people put themselves in or in because they they hold on to something that somebody did to them.
1: Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Did you ever make a mistake? I mean, a really big one. The kind of mistake you haven't forgiven yourself for? The kind of mistake that keeps you from moving on with your life? and keeps you from taking consistent steps towards your goals and your dreams? Today, I'm talking to Mike Mirowski. Mike is a real estate investment veteran with 30-plus years of experience. In 2005, Mike started a private equity firm, raising $18 million in private equity and acquired $60 million in multifamily apartments, including 4,000 units in five different U.S. markets. As part of the company's growth, Mike built and developed a property management division that managed 7,500 units. The events of the 2008 economic crisis led to a series of events in Mike's business, which left him scrambling to protect his company and keep it from going under. Mike has always believed that transparency and honesty are central to any successful business and personal life, but... While he was scrambling to save his business, Mike let his guard down, and he let his transparency slip, as he says. He made the mistake of not disclosing financial decisions to his investors and ended up paying the price for his mistake in a federal prison. He served his time and come out of the experience stronger and with a commitment to help other people avoid similar pitfalls. I can't wait for you to meet him. Let's go. Hey, Mike. Thank you so much for being with me today.
0: Yeah, you bet, Yvonne. It's great to be here.
1: It is great to have you. Oh, my gosh. So we met in Clubhouse. I I seem to say that all the time these days on my podcast. It's hilarious. I've been... Are you really active in there?
0: You know, I was for a while, and I'm not as active as I was, but I, you know, there's a couple of rooms that I really like that I spend time in, and, uh, you know, there's some things I like. Some of it is... Some of it is just too time consuming here. You know, the first time I was on Clubhouse and mm-hmm. somebody had told me about it, sent me the invitation. I got on and I thought, oh, what is this? And it was like 830 at night. I was heading to bed and I put it on. And the next thing I knew, it was 130 in the morning. <laughs> oh, and I was no. like, This is not going to be good. <laughs>
1: You know, I got, I was a little obsessed in the beginning too, but I, I kind of feel like you almost need to kind of, to really dive into it at first and, and steep in it a little bit to kind of learn your way around. And then I've really managed to select and choose when I'm going to go in or when I'm not. Right. And it's much more manageable, but man, I'm just meeting some great people. It's, yeah. it's incredible to meet you and, and just you know, it's been phenomenal. And what
0: room did we meet in, Yvonne?
1: I think we met in a podcasting room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll I'll drop in there in the afternoons occasionally.
1: Ah, okay. I usually hit them in the morning because they, they have a couple of different times that they do their things. But um, I love that room. They're just so fun. And, you know, there's always a good conversation going on. So, yeah. <laughs> well, sure. anyway, so the reason, well, you contacted me afterwards and Once I went to your website and saw your story, I was like, oh yeah, this is incredible. Uh, I really would love for my audience to hear your story and and what you've managed to do and how you've turned some things around. So I'm just gonna let you start us off, okay?
0: Well, you know what I was thinking about was what you said before we started this whole show. And you said, some of your listeners say to you that, you have people on that just really have it together. And Mm -hmm. you know, isn't that the perception today of social media and all of these things out there that everybody has this perfect life, that things are so great and things are so good. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It it may be in in people's lives, things are like that, but I think there's times that there's breakdown and and things do fall apart. You know, Hey, I built a couple of great companies over the years. I've, been in the real estate space for 30 years, I built a uh, a great real estate sales team. I sold over 100 houses a year for eight nine years consecutively. I went in the apartment business. I've done things that that people go, "Are you kidding me?" I, I raised 18 million dollars in 30 months, bought 60 million dollars worth of real estate, 4,000 apartments in five different states. Um, I built a property management company managing 7,500 units all in 30 months. Wow. I scaled a business way too fast, grew really big, uh, too many employees, over leveraged. I, I, I have a handful of reasons that um, I failed. Okay. So yeah, from a perception, from a standpoint, you know, I, I had this great thing going on.
1: Yeah, everybody on the outside looking in at you is looking at you going, man, what a rock star. Yeah. Right? Right. right. Yeah. And what was going on behind the scenes there?
0: Well, well, here, here's an interesting thought, right? So I'm in church one day and I say hi to a guy behind me and I hear his wife say to him, who's that? And he goes, oh, that's the CEO of. And I think, wow, look at me, Right where's my identity at that point? Where's my thought? Mm-hmm. process? Who am I? You know, I'm this great guy. Well, my ego, my pride kind of, you know, getting out of check because I've done all these great things and really scaled this business. And, um, you know, 2008 rolls around the world goes into this economic crisis, the worst that's ever seen like hitting a, 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 a brick wall in a freight train at 200 miles an hour. Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: I remember sitting at lunch with my CFO and the news happened to be on. And I said, man, we were watching people carry boxes out of Lehman brothers by the droves.
1: Right.
0: I remember saying, man, we're screwed. Aren't we? He goes, yeah, we're in big, big trouble. And, and, you know, it was that conversation that that kind of things started to come off the rails at that point. And uh, I tried to save my company, you know, things started to get very unstable. I, I grew this company that was over leveraged, uh, undercapitalized and um, too many employees and and not paying attention to the red flags, to the things going on around me. And that's just from a high level, right? That's not even getting granular in anything. Mm mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, 2010 rolls around, my company is struggling financially, and I have 38 different companies. So I decide, hey, I'm going to try and save this, uh, thinking we're in a recession. Recessions only, you know, there's a, usually a 10% correction not coming out of a recession. They only last 17 or 18 months. This is going to bounce back. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever saw a 40% correction coming, or seven or eight years of a correction coming. And so I decided I'm going to start moving money between companies. So I want to take money from companies that are operating well and are profitable and move it to companies that are non-profitable. Now, Yvonne, that wasn't the problem. Matter of fact, my accountant, my attorney said, hey, you can do that. Just leave a note, you know, put promissory notes between the companies. When the markets churn and things start to come back, put the money back, you'll be fine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I didn't disclose it to my investors. And because I didn't disclose it to my investors, I wound up being charged on wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in, per, in federal prison. Wow. So, you know, you have this perceived perfect life or good life or there are things going on, but all of a sudden, You know, things change and and we can make choices and decisions in our life that cause things to change just that fast. Yeah, I think that we have to we have to be cautious and and watch what's going on around us and pay attention to things around us. And I don't think we do that enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We you get on the uh, the the treadmill, right? Mm. And it's going and you're just trying to stay on. Yeah keep yourself from flying off that treadmill. And if you're setting that speed too high, it's easy to, uh, to lose awareness yeah. and yeah. Yeah. So, wow. So you ended up having to serve time.
0: Yeah, I was, I was gone for seven and a half years. And then I came home and did, uh, about another 10 months. So altogether about, uh, eight and a half years on, uh, uh eight, well, but a little over eight years on, um, you know, in federal custody.
1: Yeah,
0: which um, uh, which is a different lifestyle, it's a different world. Um, but here I'll tell you. So, you know, I went to prison thinking, oh my God, my life is over. What's going to happen? What did I do? What got me to this place? What am I? You know. And I thought that it was the worst it could possibly be. Well. I'm, I'm in prison about 17 days and my wife decided she was going to leave me. Mm. And um, then it got the worst that it could ever be. Now I was at the absolute bottom and um, there was just, there was no way but up, right? Yeah. Um, So there's a saying in prison that says you can either do the time or let the time do you. And I really chose to do the time while I was there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you meet somebody? I think you told me you met somebody when you were um, working out, right? You went to the gym to work out and he...
0: I went to the gym to think about working out. Ah. (laughs) As we do. As we do. (laughs) I I ran marathons. I was in the gym every day for years, right? And um, I... I was 35 pounds overweight. My life had just gone off the rails. I was, you know, in bad shape. And, and these guys around me, it was, it's an interesting dynamics. These guys around me in prison knew that I was really in trouble emotionally and mentally. And that um, if, if something didn't change in my life, that it might not be a good situation. Mm So um, I, I, I walk into the gym one day, like I said, to think about working out. And this guy walks up to me and he goes, look, he says, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is beat you, take everything from you, strip you naked and leave you to burn. And this is just, he said, they want to take, they can take your cars, they can take your houses, they can take your apartments, they can take all your money and destroy your family. But what they can't take of you is what you're made of. They can't take your knowledge, your expertise, they can't take your energy, your excitement, your enthusiasm. You can get all that back. He goes, get this 10 years back. Don't let them take it from you. And I thought, my God, you know, that conversation made such an impact in my life. Matter of fact, I sent this guy a message the other day, just kind of, he I see him on social media from time to time. hmm And, and I sent him a message the other day. I said, Kirk, I said, you know, you saved my life. And, uh, we kind of exchanged back and forth a little bit. And he, uh, he sent me back a message. He goes, man, you don't know how much I needed that today. He goes, I'm having such a bad day. Wow. We show up in people's lives. People show up in our lives. Right. So, um,
1: you never know the impact that you're going to have in somebody's life.
0: For sure. Right. Uh, so here's what happened. So I started working out. I'm 35 pounds overweight at this point. I start working out, start losing weight, start feeling better about myself. I wind up going to college. I got a four-year bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books while I was gone. Two home study courses: one on real estate investing, one on um, property management. I um, I wrote an ethics study course. I uh, taught real estate. I taught ethics. I taught Bible study for five years. And so were
1: a- you teaching in the prison to other, to other inmates?
0: Yes. Yeah. Really? Wow.
1: wow. Which,
0: is a, which, is, which is an interesting whole system that they have and not every prison allows it or has it. So we had a really decent education program there.
1: Yeah. Wow. wow. What, what, do you mind me asking what prison you were in?
0: That was in a Duluth federal prison camp in yeah. Duluth, Minnesota.
1: Wow. Wow. You would hope that all of them would have something like that to help
0: people. Yeah. So let me say this yeah. um, the system is broken. It's yeah. really broken, and they don't. Um, the guy who runs the education in that particular prison is a real advocate for uh, the prisoners to better themselves, to go home in a better position. And unfortunately, most of the federal prison systems are not like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, what's the point of serving time if you're not going to be rehabilitated, you know, in some way, or have an opportunity to 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 reinvent yourself while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're teaching courses. You And so what, I have a question. What drew you to studying theology?
0: Oh, uh, you know, I've been a Christian for years and, um, I, you know, just wanted to get more into the word. Uh, I guess I felt that um, to build a deeper knowledge, a deeper relationship with uh, Jesus would uh, help me through. And it did. You know, it was it was I believe that the the four years that I spent in that course, in that in those classes, um, really helped kind of get me through uh, the majority of my time being away. So, mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So, but here's a couple other things I did. And I just, I want to highlight these because I think they're important. I was on an outreach program. I went in the community uh, on a team with, there were, I went out about 40 times, told my story to small businesses, uh, corporations, and the local colleges. I met a professor at the University of Minnesota, and we co-authored a paper together that we just had published in the Business Journal of Ethics. It was an ethics case study, and it actually gets taught at the collegiate level uh, for forensic accounting classes and sales and marketing uh, uh, classes.
1: Wow. And is it your story or is it, is it your case? Cause that's what I think I saw posted on your, on your website, right? Yeah.
0: Possible. uh, Yeah. yeah, that Case study.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. So your story is going to impact how many people just by being out there as a case study.
0: Thousands, I hope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the whole, that's my whole idea today is to bring some hope and inspiration because you know, it's really easy to get in trouble. Uh, it's easy to create create success it's, and it's really easy to create this illusion of success, but then it's really easy to get in trouble and um, to make choices and decisions that can impact you and not just you, but the people around you, you know, um, the impact that this had on my family is, has been, you know, incredibly painful and still is today. Yeah. So. Um, you know just something tough to get through right i mean i still have uh i have two two daughters that I haven't talked to in years because they're mm. so mad at me, so i'm so it, sorry yeah yeah it's a tough a tough deal and i just you know i just hope someday god moves and and you know something changes so
1: yeah yeah i i'll 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 put some prayers in there for you Thank on you. that end,
0: yeah, yeah appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. All help—that's for sure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So you definitely used your time to turn it around. I mean, isn't it amazing how we can delude ourselves into thinking that that we've got it all together, or we're we're busy so busy managing the way we look to the rest of the world that we can make decisions that are not going to serve us and uh you know it, it it's it's so tempting it's that whole thing on social media you're watching people's highlight reels right and how often do we share the real challenges and the things that could actually help people by letting them know they're not alone you know uh it's 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 an amazing thing to be able to share this
0: you know, really, we can serve other people in our brokenness so much more than we can in our wholeness. You know, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting dynamics how much more we can we can help people grow uh, because of uh, being vulnerable or authentic, right?
1: Yeah, we're all broken. Right. It's, it's not, it's nothing. Nobody comes out unscathed of this, this thing we call life. We've all got, we've all got our trauma. We've all got our, you know, the things that, uh, that keep us down. And uh, you know, some people are better at uh, kind of covering it up and making it all look good. Yeah. Right. But
0: (laughs) I read a, I read a quote this morning that I thought was really uh, kind of, um, uh, interesting, but I was just, you know, you read the bios on Clubhouse and about people and, and this woman had a quote that said, and it was a, it's by Walt Disney, but it said, uh, it's always fun to do the impossible. I thought yeah. how, how, uh, how interesting to, uh, um, to think that through, right. And, yeah, you know, who I, listen, I never thought that I'd get through prison. I really didn't. And um, and I did. And, you know, today I can use that for for greater good. So,
1: yeah. Wow. Well, good on you for 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 getting through and and turning it around. So you spent like the seven and a half years actually in the prison. right? Right. And then and then comes time to to come out Were were you then you said you were still in custody, though. Were you limited to staying in your home? How, what did that look like for you? Yeah,
0: Yeah, when I came home, you're on, uh, I went to the halfway house for about a month and then Mm -hmm. I went to home confinement. So you go and you, you know, you're basically, you can't leave the house um, because you're on home confinement, right? You know, if you have a job or you have to go somewhere, you have to check in and, you know, they monitor you. So, yeah. And then uh, so that's what all. what was
1: that transition like for you?
0: Uh, well, you're the first one to ever ask that question. Um, that's uh, it's pretty interesting. And I'm going to tell you, I, I think that I probably have a little PS, PTSD from being in prison. You know, they talk about being institutionalized. And I was there and, you know, for the first couple of years, I was like, no way. Get out of here. You, How am I going to get institutionalized? Yeah, my buddy Larry, who served 17 years, he's institutionalized, but not me. Well, you know, it, it's funny. It changes you. I mean, you're in this environment where there's, you know, I went to prison. There were 900 men there. And over time, the population got whittled down. Average, most of the time I was there, it was probably 500 guys there. So you see the same 500 people every day, maybe two or three times a day, depending on where you go and what you do. I was on this compound that was probably, I don't know, I think it was 90 acres or something like that. So you had to walk a half a mile, little laundry or half a mile to education or, you know, in between buildings, which was good. I mean, hey, I came home in the best shape of my life, physically and mentally, emotionally and spiritually. I think I've ever been right. But here's the thing that I still struggle with today is um to go to a store and it be crowded. I have a really hard time with that. And really? I have a hard time if I don't know where something is, it makes it even worse. So I won't even like, you know, if it's crowded, I'll just leave.
1: What happened? What does that feel like for you in your body or what what's happening in your mind when you're when you're challenged by that? That's
0: you no, know, it's weird. It's like um yeah it's, it's a pressure that I, I yeah you know, I feel like people are watching me like everybody knows. And it's, 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 yeah. and I, you know, I'm very open with my story. I'm very transparent with it. I don't, because I think it helps people, but there's just something weird about it. Now I've talked to other guys and they go through it. They go through it. You know, some, some guys do it, you know, it's just a short time, long time. And then there's some guys that, that don't, have that challenge at all or don't struggle with that at all so hmm. uh, i think everybody's different but but that's the one lingering thing that i have right now that it gets better it gets better every time and i uh, and i have always been a person to fight through things so i don't you know i never go to the doctor i if i have pain in my knee i still run you know i do things that I push my way through things, always have, always have been that way. And, um, so I fight through it. So I know I'll get through it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm now I'm curious about what this year was like for you with just everybody being in lockdown and, you know, this, this change of, of pace. I mean, was it Did you find it to be kind of a relief to to be in the same boat with everybody on this? Or was there any element of that? I would imagine so. I mean,
0: so I came home the week that the world got locked down. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And um, I went to a friend's house for a couple of months and uh, um, I said, man, isn't it interesting how God works? And, you know, now the whole world's locked down. Everybody's locked down. I don't feel so bad. I can't go anywhere. You know, so it was a little easier to adjust in that.
1: I didn't realize the timing was like that for you. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. How, how, how blessed are you that you weren't still there for this?
0: Right. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and so here's a funny story, right? So I was sick like two weeks before I came home from prison and I was really sick. And I really? think it probably had uh, COVID, huh. but they weren't calling it that. They tested right. me for the flu, but I, it was a Thursday night. We're watching TV and now in prison a funny thing with TV and, and, and that whole, uh, you know, there's dynamics that go around who runs the TV room and where you sit. And I mean, it's just crazy. You stuff. got a
1: pecking order, right? Yeah. Oh,
0: goodness, it's terrible. Ugh. And so um Thursday night was a night we watched a couple of shows me and four or five other guys and we'd have dinner together and um, so I'm sitting there and I'm like man I don't feel good something's wrong and I'm I'm gonna leave. and my buddy says hey you can't go it's Thursday I said man I'm not feeling good I don't know what's wrong so I go and I I, I go to sleep and I can't get up Friday morning so I I managed to get dressed and and get over to medical um and they test me for the flu and she said yeah you don't have the flu and you know we don't know what's wrong here you know i'll give you a bed pass and you can you know take the next couple of days and well i slept for five days i mean Um. i slept and i finally said to myself and here's here this goes back to me pushing through things i finally said to myself i said man If I go back to medical and tell these people I'm still sick, they're going to put me on medical hold. I'm supposed to go home in in six days. I will not go home for six months. Oh, geez. I need to get out of here. So I did everything I possibly could do. I ate. I got up. I made soup. I ate some fruit snacks. I, uh, you know, it was not pretty. Yeah.
1: Was anybody Uh, sick around you? you, Did you? No. No
0: and all my wow. there was one other guy in the unit who was really sick and um I think he had it but he had it a lot worse than I did but I fought through it he fought through it ultimately and yeah. Um, when I came home and they were starting to call it COVID and they locked the world down, I was like, man, that's probably what I had.
1: Maybe. Who knows? Like how many of us, yeah, how many people had it with before we knew what to call it, right? Wow. That's amazing. And thank goodness that you were in the shape you were in because you took care of yourself while you were in there. And that probably helped you to push through.
0: Yeah. yeah helped a lot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> On, so. so then so then you come home and you're staying with a friend and you're and everybody's in lockdown
0: yeah. and then what um I just oh I lived I lived with him and his wife for uh, I think almost three months and then I uh got my own place and you know I moved I it's it gets to be pretty easy to move around with with the BLP. you know you just have to put in for a pass and so I got to see my kids and I, I got to go uh, hang out with some people and do some things and run around a little bit and work. And, and so, um, and you know, this whole time I've been building a business, right? So while I was gone, I, I built a business plan. I wrote all this material. I came home and started to execute my business plan, which is, you know, to build this coaching and training platform to, um, you know, really give back. I want to teach people how to build their multifamily, their real estate business, but how to live a balanced lifestyle, right? To really not lose focus of what matters in their life, what is important. You know, I think you and I both uh, do a mission for people or do a service for people where we try to help people really realize what life's about, right? What's Mm -hmm. important? I mean, You know, as much as I thought my family was important before I I got in trouble and that my whole thing was I was doing everything for them, I wasn't there emotionally. And I think Mm. that we miss that as especially as husbands, you know, uh, we miss that. And, you know, that's one of those messages that I try to convey to people that what's really important, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's easy to lose track, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Boy is
1: it? It is so easy. It's such a slippery slope where you get, you know, especially, you know, if you have ambition, right? It's it it's easy to um overwork and under, you know, and not not play enough and not take enough time to find quiet time to check in with yourself, to check in with your people. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, and and here's let me tell a quick story about, um, something that happened along the way, right. That, that I think is really important. And, and I kind of mentioned this to you before, we don't pay attention, right. We don't, uh, we don't listen to the signs that come up in our life and, and we ignore the red flags. So, um, I'm trying 2008, this is early on before I got in any trouble. Um, I'm trying to close a deal. I'm sitting in a, in a closing room in Cincinnati trying to close a 200 unit apartment deal that we're buying. And my office isn't funding the money, isn't wiring the money that we have for the rest of the deposit. And I can't figure out what the heck's going on. And, and, you know, um, I'm not getting a straight answer from the girl in my office who runs that part of the, our team and, so finally I get my partner on the phone and he says, Hey, I don't know how to tell you this. And, you know, I don't know if anybody ever experienced their partner saying, Hey, I don't know how to tell you this. But and and you're in good. the middle
1: of a closing Wait, you know, you're under a yeah. time crunch and this is the first thing you hear. I'm sure you're like, what?
0: I'm like, Oh God, you know, here we go. And so what he said, he said, I moved money from the escrow account to the business account this week. Thought I could have it back. I don't have the money. I can't wire the money. I'm like, man, we had this conversation before we ever went in business that you never do that. That that's a he goes, I know, but I had to. And, you know, so um, I said, okay, I'll handle it. So I wind up dry closing, which means I signed all the paperwork and said, I'll have it funded by Tuesday. This is Wednesday. So they're going to give me till Tuesday. I go home ultimately I wind up raising the rest of the money, getting the deal closed, and, and we wind up taking possession of it the following Tuesday. But meantime, remember that was Wednesday. I never talked to my wife about business, never told her anything that was going on. I once in a while I'd say, Hey, we closed another deal, or I got a new investor, or met this person, or but I just she worried so much I hated for her to worry, right? And I never wanted to put that kind of stress on. Me. So um on Friday night that week, we go to dinner with my partner and his wife. And on the way home from dinner, she says, I don't trust him. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I go, I go, uh, so as a good husband, I go. And now remember, she didn't know what happened on Wednesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that was enough to not trust him. And I said, listen, honey, I said, I have this under control. Don't worry about it. Thinking I'm being a good husband. And what I should have said was, Tell me more about that. What do you mean about that? I should have found out, gotten her world and, and, and figured it out. Right. But we miss these red flags. So then a week later, I'm out to lunch with my attorney and my attorney says, uh, um, hey, I don't know what he's up to and I don't know what you guys are doing, but you don't need him and I don't trust him. I'm like, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it. Got it under control. And I didn't have anything under control, but you know, I'm was trying to play it all off. And you know, we we need to pay attention to that kind of stuff in our lives. And that's just a couple of situations that that's happened with. But um, I'm more um, conscientious of that today because I think that um, those types of things might have kept me out of trouble, right? If I would have paid attention found out a little bit more, dug in a little more.
1: Yeah. How did all that play into the bigger picture?
0: Yeah. So, um, um, you know, my partner and I were friends for about 25 years before, you know, um, we went into business together and I, listen, when I started this, this business, I had no idea where we were going to go. I mean, I said, Hey, come on, let's do this. And, um, you know, let's start a company and we can have, you have 50%, I'll have 50%. Never should have done that. And, um, but I had no idea where it was going to go. And before I knew it, we had, you know, $60 million worth of real estate and he was running, you know, millions of dollars of rent through his hands. And I thought he was handling it and he wasn't. Um, So, you know, we tried to cover things up and, and didn't work. And, so, um, so and is
1: that where the disclosure, your lack of disclosure to the investors, is that where that came in and that's, that's what ended up being your downfall?
0: Yeah, that yeah. was, yeah, that was the big part. You know, it was just that I didn't disclose to my investors what we were doing business practice wise. And it was a lot of bad mistakes I made. You know, I mean, I bought too much property way too fast. I was over leveraged. Um, I was 85% loan to value on $60 million worth of real estate, which, you know, any bank in their right mind should have never been giving us money like that. Um, They should have forced us to be at 65, 75, 70% LTV. And they just, you know, Nobody was paying attention back then. It was so a big bubble
1: and everybody was, the money was flowing from, the right? Money how much?
0: Yeah. Here, just sign here, take it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were throwing money at people. So yeah, it was a, it was a big problem. So. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. So if you had, if you had done it, I'm just curious, if you had listened to your wife, what do you, what do you think would have, would have been different?
0: Um, I think that, um, well, So if I would have listened to my wife and had the conversation with her, when I had the conversation with my attorney a week later, I might have paid more attention to what Mm. he did. And I might have stepped back and looked because about a month later, my CFO comes to me and says, let me buy him out. He said, I'll buy him out. We'll straighten this all out. I said, no, he'll never sell. I said, let's just straighten it out. We'll give you a piece of the deal. And, but see, these things happen. Those were just three things that happened along the way that that if I would have acted differently, you know, I think we have choices every day in our life, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can pull up to a stoplight and turn right or turn left. Which way do we go? And And I think it makes a difference which way we go in our life, what we do. Those choices that we're faced with are choices that um, define us, make us, break us. You know, they do a lot of things. And I think that we tend to not, you know, as a CEO running a company, as a business owner, as a man or a woman running a team or an organization, you have to make choices. You have to make decisions and sometimes you have to make them really fast. Um, and I always said to myself, and one thing I always learned, um, and, uh, you know, Steve jobs, Bill Gates, they, they always have talked about making smart choices quickly and living with the consequences. Mm. And I always believed that, you know, so I made the choices and I made the choice to go down with the ship too. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm an overly responsible person, I guess, from that standpoint. Yeah. So, and, and listen, I broke the law. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not saying I didn't do anything wrong. I broke the law. I didn't tell my investors what I was doing and I should have. Um, did I deserve 10 years in federal prison? No, um, I didn't. Did it, Served me well. Yeah, it served me well. I mean, looking back on it now, you know, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of got thrown under the bus. I mean, uh, so um, I don't, I've never really said this on a, uh, you know, on a podcast or that, but I, I did get thrown under the bus. My, my ex-partner and in-house legal counsel, director of finance, went to the grand jury while I was on vacation with my family and they carved the deal out that the attorney and director of finance wouldn't get charged and that my ex-partner would get less time. So he uh-huh. served about 30 months. Uh,
1: oh.
0: I served wow. about 84. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, that would be, that would be tough to tough to accept and tough to live with. I imagine. How, how do you, how have you, um, manage to reconcile with the feelings of kind of being thrown under the bus like that.
0: Hey, you know, I really appreciate you asking that question because I think that this answer holds the keys to the kingdom for us, for a lot of things in our life, but it's forgiveness.
1: Yeah. They say, I I love the, you know, the idea that forgiveness is not for the people that you, are being forgiven, but it's really for the person that's doing the forgiving. Yeah. Cause if you carry that around with you, for sure, it, it's really you that, that suffers. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's
1: a new, that's something that I've only heard recently and I thought, wow, that is, that is something there's such power in, in, in forgiveness and, and what it can do for you. But boy, oh boy, is that hard.
0: Hey, think about the prison that people are in because they're so angry at somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I was in a physical prison, but think about the mental or emotional prison that people put themselves in or in because they, they hold on to something that somebody did to them. You know Mm -hmm. what? Um, I have had to forgive people around me because of the way that things have gone down or, or I got treated and, and uh, it had, it's never easy, but you know what? It's fulfilling. And so I try to encourage people to, and I've had a couple of friends in my life who said, man, you've got to forgive people. If you hold on to that crap, it's going to eat you alive and you're going to be a mess. And they're right you know, so I had to forgive my ex partner. I had to, for, you know, I didn't forgive my ex wife. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting process. So I encourage people today, you know, Hey, if you're holding on to something because somebody took something from you as a kid that, you know, you thought they shouldn't have taken or somebody picked you last for a baseball team or uh, you know, you, your husband or your wife uh, cheated on you or stole from you or, you know what, forgive those people. Don't hold on to that, man. That will eat you up. It will eat you alive. And so, you know, don't put yourself in that prison.
1: Yeah. And I think the hardest thing of all is self-forgiveness, probably. Forgiving yourself for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it starts there. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. I think it all, all, I mean, that's just everything, right. It starts with, with um, figuring out how to, how to love yourself so that you can take that out and, and love everybody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause again, we're all broken.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So crazy. Oh, my goodness. You came out of you came out of prison with a business plan and you're working it and you're coaching. I am. And and how is that going for you?
0: Uh, You know, it's like any new business, any new startup. It's slow to start, but uh, it's fulfilling. I enjoy what I'm doing and know that the people that I work with have grown a lot. So I work in the real estate uh investing multifamily mostly uh investment space, helping people grow their business. You know, and I work in that box, right? I teach all the basics, all the fundamentals, all the things that you need to know to 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 move your business forward. But really what I I like to talk to people about is um outside that box. And that is, you know, who are you? How are you doing? Where are you at? Um, emotionally mentally right how do we help you grow because unless we grow personally we don't grow professionally in order to grow professionally you've got to grow personally so uh so my goal is to help people do both right and to go to to get to the next level in life by growing
1: yeah and that's the name of your business which is my core intentions core
0: <laughs> intentions right
1: yeah <laughs> That's
0: yeah. Good. Great segue.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! I mean, there's there's so much to unpack here. It's 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 amazing. What an amazing story you have, and I applaud you for the work you did to to come out stronger, and uh, and you know. Yeah, just the self-work that you did to, to get through it. Isn't it. incredible and inspiring?
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so what's coming up for you? What's what's going on in the world next?
0: You know, uh, I have a couple of things going on this year. I do a couple of boot camps. I just had one uh, called Understanding Multifamily. My next one will be Multifamily Acquisitions. And then I'll do one on, on uh, property management. In October, I'll do a three-day summit where last year I did it, I had uh, 20 speakers from around the country that are all multifamily experts, people, men and women a lot smarter than me, uh, that come to a table and we all, you know, talk over three days about how to grow your business and techniques and systems and strategies, so... Plus, uh, you know, my first book came out last year and hopefully this year I it's in the hands of the editor right now, but I'll have uh, my property management book that'll come out this year. So.
1: Gotcha, wow. And does that have a name yet or a title?
0: Yeah, that's uh, Winning Strategies for Property Management.
1: Great, and the other book was uh, Exit Plan, right?
0: Yeah. Exit Plan, Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit Plan. You know, I wrote that because... I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years on coaching and training books and tape seminars myself, always walked away empty, like something was missing. People always taught you how to find a deal, how to buy a deal, how to get in it, how to operate it. Nobody ever taught you how to get out. Nobody ever taught you the importance of planning to get out. You know, there's a saying in real estate that says you make money when you buy the deal, but you don't realize it until you get out.
1: Hmm.
0: So they you know, you gotta finish that whole statement. So
1: yeah, yeah. Wow. 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 Well, man, good luck with everything. I'm so glad that we connected and got to meet. Yeah. And I'm excited for people to hear this. Um, any last thoughts before we wrap up or anything?
0: Yeah, you know, I just if people want to go get my book, they can. Um, they can uh, go to my website at mycorntentions.com forward slash exit plan, and you can download a free copy there.
1: Great. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for your time. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Well, there you have it. I love Mike's story because it serves as a reminder to me that we can absolutely reinvent ourselves at any time and under any circumstance think about that and hey real quick before you go did you have a key takeaway or an aha moment from today's episode if so please be sure to share it on social media or leave a review in the apple podcast app reviews help other people find this podcast and i'd really appreciate your feedback Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.